Good morning. Uh, it is an honor and privilege to be here. I, um, my mom said this morning that coming to Grace Christian Fellowship is family, and that is absolutely true. So thank you for uh, allowing me to be part of the family. It's always a, a pleasure. And uh, we're, as you can tell by the slide, we're about to get intense. Winning. We're going to get really intense. And uh, before I get that adrenaline going and, you know, uh, chaos breaks, okay, it won't be chaos, but we're going to have some fun. Before I do that, I'm going to pray. Father, I just want to thank you for allowing me to be here this morning, uh, to be here with my family. Uh, God, please use me to speak the words you want spoken uh, and open hearts and, uh, to, to receive your word. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Winning. We're going to do something very different. I don't know if it has ever been done in the history of Grace Christian Fellowship. We're going to start out with a game. And uh, for those of you that I asked to play in the game either last week or this week, can you please come forward? You, you know who you are. Uh, uh, the players, so, like, give them a hand, everyone. Come on. All right. So I know a lot of you folks. You're, you're competitive people. You can stay right here up front. Um, is there any other competitive people in the, uh, in the crowd? Anyone else competitive? Thanks to the three of you. The rest of you are all liars. Now, I know, I know there's some very intense competitive people here, and we're going to play a game. Now, this is a physical game. I've got to warn you, um, no one has ever been hurt playing this game before. I have played this game many times. And uh, before we even get into the game itself, I want to get some inspiration. We are, as you can tell by Drew's hoodie, what kind of country are we in? Packer country. So can you think of anybody else that talks about winning more than this man right here? Vince Lombardi. Yeah. Does anybody know a famous quote about, that Vince Lombardi said about winning? This is football. Okay, what, specifically about winning. Anyone? Come on. And in the, in the act like you've been. Say that loud, Mark. It's not everything, it's the only thing. Yes, winning isn't everything, it's the only thing. Winning. So we're going to play a, a, a competition here. But before I, we even get there, I'm going to give you guys some inspiration with a Vince Lombardi video. Are you ready for it? It's not a sometime thing. It's an all the time thing. You don't win once in a while and you don't do things right once in a while. You do them right all the time. Winning is a habit. You got to play with your heart, with every ounce of fiber in your body. I've never known a man worth the salt who deep down in his heart didn't appreciate the grind, the discipline, and to win, and to win, and to win. It is and always has been an American seal, and that's just to be first, regardless of what we do. There's no room for second place. There's only one place, and that's first place. I finished second twice in my time, and I don't ever want to finish second again. But I firmly hold that a man's finest hour, the greatest fulfillment to anything he holds dear, is that moment when he has worked his heart out in a good cause and lays exhausted on the field of battle. Victorious. Excellent. Are you guys inspired? I can tell. You look inspired. So we're going to be playing a game called the hand push game. It's a simple game. It is a physical game. Um, so we're going to pair off logically here. Um, 
Kevin and Tim, Drew Brandon, ladies, Scott, Phil, and of course we've got to have our elder contingent right here. So that, that is our pairs. Now the object of the hand push game is to get points. This is important. We've got, we got to get points, okay? And my lovely assistant, Jason Pascal, is going to help demonstrate how you can get a point. So Jason, come on up here. Sorry, Mark. I forgot about your OCD. <laughs> so, Jason and I are going to demonstrate the hand push game for you guys. Now pay close attention. This is very important. Again, no one has ever been hurt doing this. And what is the object of the game? Everybody remember? Get points. Get points. Okay. So, Jason, uh, we're going to get in the official hand push position, which is right foot forward. Hand out. Okay, loosen the grip there, tough guy. Okay. All right. We're good. Now, in order to get a point, I need to get my hand to Jason's side. Okay? Just like that. Now, for Jason to get a point, he's got to get his hand to my side. Push, Jason. Come on, Jason. Give it a little something, Jason. Come on. All right. So, there you go. Clear? Okay, let's start one more time. Point, and Jason, point. Come on. All right. All right. Jason, have a seat in the front row. Okay, so everybody knows your pairs. Find, uh, find your partner. Again, no one has ever been hurt doing this. Grace Christian Fellowship history right here, folks. You've never seen anything like this before. I, I, will, I will tell you when it is time. Okay, so right foot forward, right hand out. I'm going to say one, two, three, get points. Don't start yet. Don't start yet. Ready. One, two, three. Get points. 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 Okay, stop, 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 stop. You guys can sit down. You guys can sit down. You guys can sit down. It's okay. Jason's not going anywhere. So, uh, show of hands. Uh, of all the people there, how many of you got points? How many points did you guys get? One? One? Okay. So, uh, audience, those that did not participate, what was the object of the game? To get points. What was the object of the game? Get, get points. I keep hearing people say winning. The object of the game was to get points. Jason, come back up. Jason, let's get some points. You can sit down. Now, yes, I, I fooled everybody because we started talking about winning. And, of course, natural mind is, here's who I'm paired with. And in order for me to win, the other person has to what? Lose. I did not define who you're playing against. I was, it was actually the pair of you were playing against other people. Now, we're going to introduce a concept to you. We're, okay, I'm going to introduce it. Called the results pyramid. The results pyramid. And to me, this is uh, foundational to what we're going to talk about today. So the object of the game was, again, to do what? Get points. We call that a result. Here's what I want to achieve. This is what I want to do. Fantastic. Joel Gavin refused to play the game this morning. Surprise, surprise. That's his mom. Joel, recently you accomplished something very big. What was it? He ran a marathon. Fantastic. Keep. 
That is his brother. In order to achieve a result, you need to do something. Now, in the hand push game, how did you get a point? Pushing. Push your hand to the other person's side. Joel, in order to run a marathon, what did you have to do? You had to train. And you had to train a lot. I mean, a lot. You have to take an action. You got to actually go out and do something. Right? Now, in that hand push game, I said one, two, three, get points, and I literally thought some of you might kill each other. There was like veins popping on the forehead. I thought somebody was going to take a shoulder out at us for a moment. I had to stop it, because if I let that go on for a little bit of time, somebody would have gotten hurt. Now, why, when I said get points, did everybody try to take the other person down? They wanted to win. Say that again, Tom. Competitive. Yeah, we set it up. We talked about winning. Packer country. Vince Lombardi. Winning isn't everything. It's the only thing. Intensity. I talked about adrenaline. You had the pump fist of the child up there saying winning. Of course, everybody said, I got to win. And I picked some competitive people on purpose because they've all done something like that before. They've played games. I think most of us in the room have. Even if you haven't done some kind of athletic competition, you probably have done something like a board game, like Monopoly. And you know what it means to win and bankrupt your family. What a lovely family game. (laughs) Guess who's in the poorhouse, Mom? See, you had a belief about competition. This is what competition means. Again, for me to win, someone else has to lose. Now, that's fabulous if you're talking like business and saying, all right, we want to be the number one insurance company. I work at Northwestern Mutual. I know there's some competitors. I don't think they're all here. Mike Fantry's not here, nor is Katie, but we're all competing against each other. Think about your own business. Yeah, you want to be number one. In the kingdom of God, it's not that way. We don't compete about, against each other. We compete with each other. And really, what drives your beliefs? I talked about you having a game of Monopoly at home or playing a sport. It's your experience. Now, for Joel, running a marathon, his belief was, in order for me to accomplish this, I need to work out really hard and run, 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 and have a training plan. Joel, am I writing all this? I know. That's why I called on you. But Joel had to follow a training plan. Where did that training plan come from? Did somebody just make it up one day? No, it came from experienced runners. It said, here's how you do it. Now, at one point in my life, I wanted to run a marathon. Clearly, I'm not a marathon runner, if you take a look at me. If my marathon plan was, you know what? Marathon's tomorrow. I'm just going to roll out of bed, have a breakfast, three eggs, pancakes, you know, a couple dozen donuts, and I had not trained at all, 
How successful would I be? It wouldn't happen. It wouldn't happen. But thankfully, experienced marathon runners have gone before Joel to say, here's what you need to do. Here's how it's done. And he ran with people who have done marathons before. And, Joel, did you finish? He did. He did a great job. Now, what does this have to do with church? Well, I want to start talking more about winning experiences. Winning experiences. Because a lot of times we just focus on some kind of action. And we say, hey, just go do this. And, and follow that. And you'll be fine. And then we can walk away. And it's one thing to talk, but that action is so important. To say, how do I really get involved? How do I experience something that's going to reinforce my belief about what God is doing here at Grace Christian Fellowship in Milwaukee, in our community, in the world? And as an example, and unfortunately, Pastor Mike Fancher is not here, but I did warn him about this. I'm going to talk a little bit about one of his experiences that he's talked about up here before. And here is the real story about the man behind the mask. So many times, Mike Fantry's been up here, and he's talked, and he, Mike, Mike and I talk a lot, and he, he likes to throw my name out there, and he says, oh, Alex Bartoshevitz did this and that and the other thing. And there's been several times he's talked about when we worked together at Northwestern Mutual, where he's like, well, if it wasn't for Alex, I wouldn't have been working out. You know, he's the one that dragged me into the gym. He's the one that did all this. And I'm like, Mike, no, you got it all wrong. He's like, oh huh, yeah, you're right. Because Mike was my experience. He was the person that led me to start working out. At one point in time, I was um, about 250 pounds. And I was getting a little worried about my health. And Mike said to me, he's like, you know what? I actually have an experience around that. Instead of going to lunch and eating all the free food at Northwestern Mutual... I go work out, and I just bring in a nice bagged lunch. It's nice and simple, and that time at the gym has really helped me out. And then I started going with him, and we did it together. And having that accountability was fantastic. Now, at a certain point, Mike stopped doing it because he got too busy, and then I was like, hey, Mike, remember that, how we'd work out together? And he's like, oh, yeah, I forgot. But his belief was, this will work. Why? Because he experienced it. And he shared that experience with me. And at one point in time, I had lost 60 pounds. Gained a few of them back, just to let you know. But I also know how it can work. So next time Mike says, oh, Alex did this, we all know the real story. You know, the Bible has some great stories of experiences that occurred And you see how beliefs can change because of those experiences. And how sharing those experiences really um, helps shape how people think. In Acts 26, 1 to 5, Then Agrippa said to Paul, You have permission to speak for yourself. 
So Paul motioned with his hand and began his defense. King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today as I make my defense against all the accusations of the Jews, and especially so because you are well acquainted with all the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. The Jewish people all know the way I have lived ever since I was a child. From the beginning of my life in my own country and also in Jerusalem, they have known me for a long time and can testify, if they are willing, that I conform to the strictest sect of our religion, living as a Pharisee. So here we have Paul. He's like, look, my life is on display. Everybody has experience with me. They've seen me since I was young. They know how I live. They have a belief about me. I live as a Pharisee. Very simple. Now he goes on to talk more in Acts 26, 9 to 11. I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priest, I put many of the Lord's people in prison. And, then, and when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished. And I tried to force them to blaspheme. I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. Paul's actions were on display. You've seen it all. You know what I do. I was against these Christians more than anyone else. When they were put in prison, I was casting my vote to say, put them to death. I chased them down in foreign cities. You know who I am. You have experience with me. And what happens to Paul? He has a Jesus experience. He's traveling. He's blinded. Jesus talks to him. Why are you persecuting me? And we all know there's a conversion. And Paul becomes a different man instantly. And then what happens? He goes out and starts acting differently. Because of his experience and his changed belief, his actions are produced that start to support Christianity and support Jesus and say, this is the only way. And now you have all these people that have known him since he was young, known he was a Pharisee, know he was persecuting people, saying, what is going on? Who is this guy? This makes no sense. And Paul goes on to say in Acts 26, 19 to 23, So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven, first to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem, and in all, in all Judea, and then to the Gentiles. I preached that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. That is why some Jews, Jews try, seized me in the temple courts and tried to kill me. But God has helped me to this very day. So I stand here and testify to small and great alike. I am saying nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses said would happen, that the Messiah would suffer and as the first to rise from the dead would bring the message of light to his own people and to the Gentiles. 
see, because of this experience, King Agrippa, everybody listening, I stand here and testify. I'm doing what I was called to do. I'm taking the actions that Jesus told me to do. And it's all in the prophets. And you know the prophets as well as I do. And the story goes on that King Agrippa's like, you know, I don't see any fault here. But what a powerful testimony for a man that everybody knew from his youth. And how he changed because of a great, great experience he had. So I want to bring this home to Grace Christian Fellowship. And for those of you that can't see it over there, because you're sitting right underneath it, you see strength to reach. Matthew 28, 19. And who do we reach? Our GCF neighborhood, our local government, our regular contacts, family, coworkers, neighbors, and our Jewish community. Jim gave a great talk last week about reaching the Jewish community specifically. But I want to think about how we can look at strengthen as an action and reach as an action and say, are we building experiences around those things to strengthen our personal beliefs as well as the people around us and how they think? So let's focus first on the action of strengthen. And how do we strengthen? I think it's very simple. We start out, we go to church. Why not? Because Jesus did. Now, he called it a synagogue, but it's very evident that that was an important place for him. Luke 4.16, he went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. This was a habit. It was a custom, something he did. We go to church to get strengthened, to get encouragement. Hebrews 3.13, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. If you're not here, it's really hard to encourage you. And say, yeah, we get together once in a while, you know, phone call, I like things on Facebook. Great. Fabulous. But we get together as much as we can because the world is hard. And when people are coming from a different belief system than you, they've had different experiences, it's hard to get encouragement from them. We go to church to get strengthened and to be unified. Psalm 133, this is the entire psalm. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. You can't live in unity if you're not around each other. Do we always get along? Perfectly. Right? No. We're going to have things that happen. But you've heard Frank say many times, just because you get upset, don't leave. 
because we make mistakes as people. We're going to say something that offends you. I called everybody up here to, to play a physical game. Some of you might be like, we don't do that in church. It's a serious place. Sorry. Don't leave. Please, don't leave. Come together to be unified. No mistakes are going to happen. We're going to sin. We're going to do things against each other. Talk to each other. Encourage each other. Strengthening goes beyond going to church. Go to home fellowship. I, I, I've been coming to this church since I was 15. It's a long time. It's a long time. And for all the years I've been here, for about 10 of them, I actually hosted a home fellowship. And I can tell you right now, some of the best years of my life. Some of the best years. Because I got to know so many people. And I look around the room and I look at everybody that has been there at my home fellowship and I'm like, wow, you've made me better as a person. Thank you. 1 John 1-7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus' Son purifies us from all sin. Home fellowships are where you can really get deep. Where you can have those hard conversations. Where you can pray for each other. I mean, you look around the room now, we're, we're pretty packed in. Nobody likes to sit up front. Thanks, Frank and, and Gavins. But if you look back, we're pretty full. It's hard to get deep when there's that, this many people in the room. At a home fellowship, you form that bond. And that gets us to Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Strengthen. Strengthen. Yeah, it's an action. But you see how the experiences can help you have better, stronger beliefs. Now, an experience you could have that I would not recommend is seen in Hebrews 10.25, where people do give up meeting together. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I'll tell you right now, there was a stretch when I was younger where I didn't go to church. It was, eh. Yeah, I was a teenager. Maybe it was a rebellious thing. I don't know. But I found things like basketball more important. Or sleeping in. And my parents did not force me to go to church. True, Mom and Dad? She's nodding her head, for those of you that can't hear, hear her nod. They never forced me to go. And I can tell you, in that stretch of time where I was not going to church, I could care less about it. Didn't really care what God was doing. And you see this picture here, and Frank uses this analogy quite a bit, of burning embers. And what happens when you remove an ember from the core? 
where the heat is. The ember dies out. It grows cold quickly. And for me in my life, it was a very cold period of time. Now, I'm thankful that at a church picnic that my parents were able to talk me go, to go to, I ran into people. And it wasn't the old people in the room that got me to go to church, but it was the youth. Yeah, they were girls. I'll admit it. <laughs> if they didn't come up to me and say, you got to come to youth group, I never would have gone there. Now, as nice as that invitation was, what got me to stick was Pastor Jim. And the first time I met him, some of you have heard this story before, he's like, hey, I'm Jim. Shakes my hand, boom, headbutts me. <laughs> now I have a really hard noggin, so it didn't phase me one bit. But I'm like, Okay, this is weird. But it became the kind of place that I felt safe. And that headbutt I reference a lot because who does that? Seriously, could you imagine like getting a new job and going there like, hi, welcome to wherever, boom. It's like lawsuits just happening everywhere. But I knew there was authenticity there. Just like that. And my life has never been the same. Yeah, I'm a crusader, guys. Once a crusader? That's right. Absolutely. So the next action I want to just focus on briefly is reaching. Yeah, it's great to be strong. But here's what happens. We can be really strong and stay within these walls or in the comfort of a home fellowship, and say, yes, this feels great. Good music. Good fellowship. My, my home fellowship for a long time, we had dinner. And I, I got to tell you, there were some competitive cooks. I'm not kidding. Ryan's smiling. He knows what I'm talking about. I, like the food just, like it went from like sandwiches to ramping up to like full-blown meals. Fantastic, but who cares? In some senses, who cares? If all you're doing is strengthening and all you're doing is hiding, you've got to go out and reach. Now, that's an action. That's an action. Why do we take our actions? Again, it's the experiences we have, the beliefs we have. And I'm standing here this morning saying, do your experiences and beliefs reinforce your actions? Matthew 28, 19. We have it up there, but look at 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Okay. I'm going to pause right there. Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Think about that. You're Christians. Most of you, I think. I know a lot of you. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? And you don't have to answer it. But how many times have we heard people say, well, you know, this is the devil's world? No, it's not. 
All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. Yeah, devil's here. It may be his playground for a little while. But we know who's in charge. Have you experienced what Jesus is saying? Because he goes on, and again on our wall here, Matthew 28, 19, and says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Go. Go. Now, making a disciple is so much more than having someone say a prayer. And I love having Andy as an evangelist. Because he talked very recently about that. He's like, you know, I, I'm training you to be able to say a sinner's prayer, but it does, it, that's not what it's about. Our, our friend, a friend of mine, Bruce, always calls it ABCs. Acknowledge you're a sinner. Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth. And we go into prisons, and, and he gives that little spiel all the time. But it's not just confessing. Because a lot of times we, we get to that confession part and we're like, okay, we're done. Thanks for playing. You're saved now. We're going to go back in the comfort of our, our walls, of our home fellowship, of our church. No. To acknowledge, you've got to believe. And so much of that means creating an experience for people. And that's where 20 comes in, too. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. It's a powerful, powerful commission that we've all been given. And we do know that things can get tough. Evangelizing is not easy. Andy makes it look easy. Mostly because he can break things. I can guarantee you he wasn't able to do that when he was younger. I used to be able to tackle him in football. No, he would just hurt me. <laughs> I don't play tackle football anymore. When things are tough, keep your head up. Witness in all situations. Second Timothy 4-5 to says, But you keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. It's easy when you start to talk about things like religion to get defensive. It's easy to project church onto other folks. Because here's our experience. Here's our belief system. So a lot of times we just assume everybody has the same thing. And then when somebody's like, yeah, you know what? Girlfriend just moved in. We're going to do some weed later on. We're like, oh, how could you? We want to do that at Grace Christian Fellowship. And we don't. But keep your head in that situation. Think about your experience, your belief, and say, how do I change their experience? God, give me the words I need to talk to them, to reach them where they are, because you're in different places. And the actions you take as people are much different than what they would take. But we are called to hang in there, endure the hardship, do the work of an evangelist. I call it creating a Jesus experience. Romans 10, 10 to 17. 
For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. A, B, C. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Look at 14 again. How can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? This is why we reach. You are strong people. Are you perfect people? No, I'm not either. I never will be perfect. At least not on this earth. People can't believe unless you share. That is that action of reaching, of going out there and doing. The things you've learned here at Grace Christian Fellowship, in your home fellowships, in your one-on-ones with prayer partners, with accountability partners, whoever else, strengthens your belief. Drives your actions. So there's that results pyramid again. We want results. 28, Matthew 28:19 again. Make disciples of all nations. That's the result we're trying to achieve. The actions we take should be centered on that. The words we speak to each other, the times we have together in fellowship, are all experiences that help form that belief. And remember, you may be the only Jesus some people see. Pastor Frank. why we share our testimony. This is what happened to us. Before I was a believer, I was this way. Now I am a believer. And no one can refute that because that's your experience. And so it's good to share your experience. That's one way to witness. That was good, Alex. Let's all stand together, please. The Lord wants to bless you. He wants to bless you. God told the... uh, the Kohanim, the high priests, to bless the people of God in this particular way. So please receive this. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you 
and give you peace. Peace in your heart as you're being strengthened to reach a lost world for Jesus. Now, there may be someone here who's not sure they're going to heaven. If you're not sure you're going to heaven, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to have, our elders are going to be up, up front here. Come on up right front right now. The ones that are here, come on up front. And what I want you to do is, as we're being dismissed, to, to go home, but for most of you, you'll be dismissed to drink coffee and have carbohydrates in the cafe. Come on forward and talk to one of these men, and they'll talk to you about making sure how you can be sure that your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life and you'll be heaven-bound. Amen. God bless you. I love you a lot.